What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of High on Infinity, the podcast dedicated to sports and nerd culture. I am your host, Jake and Knight. We got a great episode on up for you today, folks. Today, we talk about load management in the NBA, the DC crossover on the CW network, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and we got a college football picks of the week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You already know it's that time of the week again. High on Infinity, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob Knight. If you're a first time listening to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back. We've got a great episode lined up for you today. And also, forgot, if you didn't know, we have merchandise available now on teesprings.com slash store slash high on infinity. So, you know, you have a couple extra dollars. Just check out the store, see if you like anything, and just go from there. But... I got some. I got. I just got. I just got to get something off my chest. The podcasting game. We're deep into the podcast. The podcasting game right now. And sometimes you just gotta relax a little. So I call this episode the load management episode. And let's get into this load management episode. We'll talk about the NBA. The NBA is in full swing with marquee matchups every night. Last week we had a possible finals preview with the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Los Angeles Clippers. Of course, you already know. Kawhi versus Giannis, the reigning Finals MVP versus the reigning NBA MVP. And when the game tipped off, only Giannis took the court because earlier that day, the Clippers said that they will sit Kawhi out for load management. And after this event, uh, the sports media revisited this hot button debate. So is load management ruining the NBA? So what is technically load management? Load management is just a fancy term for rest. Giving the NBA superstar the night off between back-to-back games usually. And theoretically, teams use this to preserve their stars for the playoffs. The Spurs were one of the, four, the first organizations to popularize this. And, and, and at the time they were doing it, they just, uh, they just put it in an injury report as a DNP did not play for rest. In today's NBA, Kawhi Leonard has become the poster child for load management. Last year playing for the Raptors, he sat out 22 games en route to winning the NBA Finals, and he already sat out two of the first nine games of the season because of load management. And the load, man- the load management debate has been a hot topic for the past couple of years, and you have a lot of people who are for it and a lot of people who are against it. Usually the older guard are against it because they think players um, should not sit out games if they're fully healthy, and they believe that you should play when you're healthy. So I'm going to take a look at both uh Point of views. I'm gonna take the team slash organization point of view and the fans point of view. And and to be honest, I kind of see both sides of the debate. First off, from the team and organization point of view, uh, every team's goal is to win the NBA Finals. Yes, some teams' chances are better than others, but it, but the teams with those great chances want their best players in the best conditions when the playoffs start. If that means sending their players out for a few games during the season to achieve that, so be it. And teams are willing to take that chance and pay the price for it, literally, to do so because head coach Doc Rivers was fined 50 grand from the NBA saying that, that Kawhi did feel great uh, despite, you know, putting him on load of management the next night. And the, NBA, and the NBA stated a policy a couple years ago that they're going to start finding teams when they're sending their players, they're help, sending players uh, that are healthy for national televised games. Uh, that's, you know, because the national televised game, they put you on there for a reason to see the stars play that, you know, that's more exposure for the league. And this is a tricky part about load management, because if they sit someone saying, you know, you know, we're just load managing them they're you know, they're, you know, they got a, a sore knee or a sore elbow. We're not the ones to say, uh, you know, to assume that we're not the ones that make judgment like, hey, you're not really hurt. You need to go out and play. And from the fans point of view, the fans point of view is plain and simple. 
The fans pay money to see the best players play. You know, like your LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry's, etc. And if those, if those players are healthy and they sit out, it looks bad for the league because NBA players are some of the most popular athletes in the world compared to in the other sports in America, like the NFL and Major League Baseball. Because in the ESPN, uh, this year's ESPN Top 100, you know, just ranking the 100 most popular athletes in the world by like social media. Google, etc. Of course, Cristiano Ronaldo, the soccer player, was number one. And the first three American-born athletes to make the list were basketball players at LeBron James, number two, Steph Curry, number 11, and Kevin Durant, number 11, I mean, Steph Curry, number nine, and Kevin Durant, number 11. And the highest-ranked NFL player was Tom Brady at 31, and the highest-ranked baseball player was Bryce Harper at 99. So safe to say that the NBA is popular, and fans are going to be upset if they buy a ticket and the best players aren't playing. For example, I'm gonna take the Lakers out of this because um, I can't be I can't be objective, and I want to be objective when when I'm with this example. But you know, some some of my favorite players in the NBA, uh, uh, besides the Lakers, are, you know, Giannis, Kyrie, Steph Curry. Let's say they they play the Atlanta Hawks. I'm using the Hawks as an, as an example because uh, that's the nearest basketball team near me. Atlanta's about an hour and a half away. Uh, where I'm from, we'll say they play the Hawks that night. You know, and I buy my ticket and I drive all the drive all the way up there. And next thing you know, Giannis ain't playing due to load management. Because if that happens, you know, I'm gonna feel some type of way because I bought my ticket, spent my hard earned my hard earned money on this ticket, drove that hellacious Atlanta traffic just to get there, and the player I want to see is not playing. So I kind of understand uh, that example, and so. So basically, is load management effective? From what I see so far in this short sample size, it's been effective because the Spurs popularized it to begin with. And the Spurs are always in the playoffs. And Kawhi, Ma- I mean, Kawhi Leonard load managed all last year and won the NBA Finals. So what's the standard for load management nowadays? I assume you have to win the NBA title, at least make it to the finals for it to work. And <coughs> oh, excuse me. And the Clippers do <coughs> And the Clippers do have Kawhi. But let's say... Hypothetically, hypothetically speak, speaking, each team has about 12 or 13 back-to-backs this season. So if Kawhi doesn't play one of those games, he's going to miss 13 games minimum. Let's say he misses Let's say he missed 20 games. And let's say, just sake of argument, let's say the Clippers are the five seed. And, you know, if he would have played in some of those games, they would have had home field advantage. Because home field advantage matters, or home, home court advantage matters in the playoffs. Or let's say if he load management... And just say after crazy, you know, after crazy events happen, the Clippers miss the playoffs. Then they're going to get criticized for load management because the Kawhi would have played in some of them games that they lost due to his load management. They probably could have made the playoffs. But I don't see load management going away anytime soon, and this will continue to be a hot button issue for the foreseeable future. Okay, so this next topic is for my superhero people out there. In a world where comic book adaptations of movies or TV shows are part of a shared universe, comes the sixth crossover event of CW's Arrowverse titled Crisis on Infinite Earths. So what is the Arrowverse? The Arrowverse is a shared universe of series of television shows based on DC Comics. And those shows consist of Arrow or the Green Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and The Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman. It's called the Arrowverse because... Arrow was the launching point of the universe. So basically, uh, the Green Arrow in this universe is kind of like the Iron Man, the Marvel universe. Like they both, both of those started these franchises. And what makes the Arrowverse shows good is is the world building that they do. 
because they reference previous events in other series, episodes, or crossovers to keep you know keep the continuity between the shows, and they introduce new characters through other shows before their, their new show launches. So you have some familiarity with them when their new show premieres. And personally, I don't watch all the Arrowverse shows. I only watch Arrow, The Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. And, and Arrow overall has been a great show. A couple shaky seasons in the middle, especially season four. Season one and season one, two, and three being the high points. And The Flash, on the other hand, I ain't gonna lie to be honest. I've been fed up with The Flash for the past couple of seasons, mainly because of the writing and some of the direction of the characters in the show, especially Barry Allen, because out of there is, I think season six, now as season six, out of the six seasons, like he, he's shown little to no character development, in my opinion. It's like, he's still that gullible nerd from the first season. There's nothing wrong with that. In other words, like I, I, some, I don't agree with some of Barry's morals as well, because like he tries to be Mr. Goody Two Shoes all the time, you know, in, in this world, you can't be Mr. Goody Two Shoes all the time. That's why like, I prefer Arrow over the flash because you know uh arrow is more dark and gritty and and the flash is is usually just rainbows and sunshines and you know like sometimes you want your hero to get his hands dirty and barry sometimes he's, he's just afraid to do that because he wants to do everything by the book and like some like just some of the things just like some of his logic don't make no sense when watching the flash because he'd be like i think we should help the villain and his team be like i don't think we should do that and barry was like you know i'm the leader i'll make the shots then he helps the villain Villain betrays him and Barry's over there looking stupid. Like, man, I did not, I did not see that coming. And everybody's looking at it, looking at him like, dude, we told you what was going to happen if you helped him. That's just some of my gripes about the Flash. I've been mean to get this Flash ran off my chest for the past, part for the, ever since seasons. I say the past two seasons, I've been ready, I've been ready just to rant about the Flash because the Flash started off really strong the first two seasons. To me, I think the first two seasons of the Flash is better than the first two seasons of the Arrow, and they had a decent third season, a terrible fourth season, a lackluster fifth season, and so far I don't like the direction of the sixth season. And you're like, Jacob, if you don't like the show, just stop watching it. But I already, I already invested five, five seasons into the show, so I might as well, you know, just ride this ship out. You know what I mean? But uh. Uh, but the next show I watch, uh, The Legends of Tomorrow, to me, uh, it's it knows its place in the Arrowverse. Basically, The Legends of Tomorrow just they're basically the B team in the Arrowverse, and they know that too. And that what makes it enjoyable to watch because they're not gonna do too much. And it like each episode has been good. Like none of the seasons been like, oh my god, wow! Like each episode's been like each season's been good. There's just high points, high points and low points in all seasons. Uh, but since in two, but since two thousand and fourteen, uh, the arrow, the arrow, the Arrowverse, I can't speak, uh, does their annual crossover specials. Usually a three to four night event with each show, uh, beginning a different part of the event, and the upcoming crossover is going to be the biggest one yet, because uh, this is the last crossover with the Green Arrow because Arrow is fixing to end with the series for now in next January, and second because it, this will be a five night event. Uh, that will include Batwoman's show in this crossover. And lastly, this will be the biggest cast of heroes to date with the debut of Black Lightning in the Arrowverse. Black Lightning, uh, his show isn't technically part of the Arrowverse right now, but I think in the future uh, he's going to join because since Arrow, it will be ending soon. And Crisis on Infinite Earths is a continuation of last year's crossover, Elseworlds. And it's the most anticipated crossover to date. Um, 
because in the comics of uh, the crisis on infinite earth is one of the biggest events in the DC universe. And fans been wanting this crossover event since the introduction of flash because the flash introduces, you know, multiple worlds and multiple timelines into the Arrowverse. So when would this crossover happen? Um, they're changing the format this year for this crossover it usually takes place all in one week. Uh, so this crossover will start December 8th with Supergirl, then run through the 9th with Batwoman, then the 10th with The Flash. And, then, and I assume it's going to end on a cliffhanger, then it's going to have a winter break. And it's going to return January 14th, finishing it up with Arrow and Legend of Tomorrow premiering that same night. But I'm excited for this crossover, even, even though I don't watch all the shows and I've been frustrated with The Flash at the moment. But all the crossovers have been really good. And I highly recommend... You watching these crossovers or some of the Arrowverse Arrowverse shows like uh, Flash and Arrow if you happen to have a chance. And if you're interested in DC Comics, I know I know you like Jacob is DC or their movies suck. But yes, though, that may be true. But if you're interested in, in the DC characters, you know, this is this is not this is nothing like the DC movies because the TV universe is doing it right. OK, so like last week's episode before we do the college football picking we're just going to quickly discuss the uh, college football playoff rankings i'm going to do this before each pick them until um, they you know they announce the playoff teams so one through six is one is lsu two ohio state three clemson four georgia five alabama and six oregon okay with well, lsu no surprise they're, they're going to be number one they defeated number three alabama last saturday and the game lived up to the hype in my expectation joe burrows joe burrow became a runaway favorite for the uh, for the Heisman Trophy, um, this has probably been the best a quarterback played against Alabama since Deshaun Watson did uh, a few years ago. And I put this performance above Trevor Lawrence's performance because uh, in that Clemson game, Alabama was really never in the game. But in this game, uh, LSU jumped out to a big lead. Then Alabama came roaring back, and and you know which which made Joe, Joe Burrow play better. And Burrow in office had to answer every time Alabama scored, and they did so. He was dropping dimes to you know his receivers, making Heisman Trophy winner throws. He made plays with his legs as well. And the remaining schedule is pretty easy for the most part. They got Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M, and they have a really good chance of winning out. And they control their own destiny if they you know they win out, win an SEC title game, and and their punch their ticket to the playoffs. The second ranked team is Ohio State. This is the first time the number one the number one ranked team in the playoffs dropped after. After winning a game, and they put up 73 points against Maryland. And the big question of the remainder of the season was how the defense fare without Chase Young, the possible number one pick in the NFL draft, because what thought what thought of would have been a four game suspension for quote unquote NCAA violations turned into a two game suspension announced today. And right quick about this uh, quote unquote violation. Okay, for those of you who who don't who don't know, um, Chase uh, Young he admitted, or I think NCAA found out that. A fa- his family friend or family member paid. He loaned Chase for he loaned Chase money for airplane tickets so he could fly his girlfriend out to the uh, to the Rose Bowl. But he but Young did pay his you know family member back. And what I don't get is you know like you know why why he's getting punished because he paid the you know he paid the money back. You know he said a loan. Usually uh, some people boosters give the players money. They don't got to pay it back. But this guy was like, "Here, I'm gonna give you the money. I'm gonna loan you this money, and you're gonna have to pay me back." You know, you know, sometime soon. And you know, credit to Young, he stuck to his word. He paid the man back. But it's what I don't get is like, you know, these colleges make money off these kids, and the kids don't see none of it. Like, how, guess how? Like, uh, 
just just imagine how much money uh, Ohio State made off Chase Young this year. Hell, imagine last year how much money Duke made off Zion last year. Like my only thing about my, my only thing about this is like I'm not a hundred percent confident on a lot of stuff, but I'm a hundred percent confident that every NCAA athlete doesn't come from the best living situation. They don't come from two parent homes where they're financially stable. You no, know, some come from single parent homes with you know a mom and you know their younger two siblings. And I don't, you know, sometimes I don't blame, you know, when, uh, when, you know, some college students take money from these boosters because, okay, for example, let's say we have a college football player. Uh, he really wants to go to insert big name school here. And they're like, Hey, well, we see your mom struggling, you know, taking care of herself and, you know, your two younger siblings. How about if we give you 20 grand to come to our school will help support your mom. And I'm pretty sure, you know, he's an 18-year-old kid. You hand him 20 grand. Of course, they're going to take it, you know, but that's just my uh, gripe about this whole situation. The things may change in the future with the whole, I think it's called Fair to Play Act, where athletes can make money off their likenesses. But enough with that. I'm getting sidetracked. But uh, yes, uh, he did serve. He had a four-game suspension, which was brought down to two announced today. And Maryland was his first suspension. He's going to sit out this this week against Rutgers, and he's going to return the following week against Penn State. And they'll have him for the two biggest games of the season against Penn State and against Michigan. Because I thought he was going to be suspended the whole, you know, four games. If he was suspended four games, somehow Ohio State won out. He would have been returning against, uh, he, he, he would have been returning in the Big, in the big Ten title game against um, a possible Minnesota or a Wisconsin. But he is going to sit out one more game and come back down the home stretch which I think Ohio State, the way they've been playing, they probably didn't need Chase Young for the rest of the season. But, hey, you know, two games are better than four. So I feel like Ohio State is going to win out uh, the rest of the year and, you know, beat whoever going to play in the Big Ten title game and possibly punch their ticket to the playoffs as well. Uh, number three on the list, uh, Clemson. They're the team at the right place at the right time. You know, they were number five. Alabama, Penn State lost. They bumped down. Penn, Penn State just went went up in their swat. And with a win against Wake Forest this uh, this upcoming weekend, they they will punch their ticket to the ACC title game. And like I said, with Alabama and Penn State lost, they they were guaranteed to be they at least be number three in the standings. And they're sitting pretty, to be honest. Uh, just one out, and you're in the playoffs. Yes, their schedule hasn't been tough, but the you know you, you're not you're, you're not gonna leave out the undefeated defending national championship out of the playoffs this year. And number four, probably the shock of the playoffs was Georgia. Uh, they control their own destiny. Just went out, and you're in the playoffs. And I think the reason why Georgia probably got over Alabama, probably because of quality wins, uh, because Georgia, they have quality wins. Over, yeah, they lost to South Carolina, but they do have quality wins over Notre Dame and Florida up to this point. And Georgia's quality win has been Texas A&M. And number five on the list is Alabama. Uh, yes, they lost to LSU this past weekend. Great game from a football fan perspective. And shout out to the Bama fans. Uh, there's a few that try to check me on social media for my LSU pick. They're like, Jacob, why are you picking LSU? I wasn't with none of the mess. I was like, I'm going to post this. And they tried to check me. I'm going to post a link to the podcast and say, hey, click this link and go and go to this and skip to this time. Because, you know, last week I didn't just pick LSU because I thought LSU was going to win. I used logical, logical reasonings to back up my pick. Um, like I said, LSU had to force turnovers. They forced like two turnovers. And they had to pressure Tua. I don't think they sacked them, but they made his throws off target. And Tua wasn't 100% healthy um, 
in this game, and that made it even better for LSU to put the pressure on them because he couldn't escape like he usually does. And after the loss to LSU, I wanted social media. This was the most diverse reactions I ever got. I ever seen after Alabama loss because half the fans were just like, hey, you know what happens. You can't win them all. And the other half were like, you wish your team was as good as ours. Y'all just y'all just happy we lost, laughing at our pain. I saw those posts. And yes, Alabama is a very good team. And yes, they rarely lose. But there's a better team out there, a better organization out there that out there that trumps Alabama. Oh, speaking of Trump, you notice that Alabama was undefeated at home until Trump showed up. But I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that alone. I ain't gonna, we ain't talking about that. But there is a team out there better than better than Alabama. It's not LSU. It's not Ohio State. It's not Clemson. It's called the internet. And for those of you who don't know, the internet is always undefeated. In the, in the words of LeVar Ball, the internet never lost. So, yes. So no matter who your team is, if it's Alabama, if it's the Patriots, if it's the Warriors, no matter when you lose, no matter how rare you lose, the internet's going to get you with these jokes. So when your team loses, you just got to sit back and just take these jokes. You know, just take it on the chin and, you'll, and they'll live to fight another day. And then jokes are flying around on social media. You know, I, I don't care. Even my team with Auburn, I, I know we lose. But, you know, some of the jokes make me laugh. I'm, 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 I'm going to be honest. And my favorite joke is probably... It's probably when it's probably when Tua throws a pick or he fumbles the ball. They call they call him Tua turned the ball over. But uh, this is this is this is an objective podcast, and Alabama still has a chance to make the playoffs because over the course, um, of course, they have to win out to make the playoffs. Uh, but they make they they probably make it in without a conference title like they did a couple years ago. But a conference title sure can help. To do that, LSU need to lose two of their final three games, which are all conference games. Uh, because, uh, but of course, if LSU wins out and Alabama wins out, they hold a tiebreaker uh, against Alabama. You know, for the head-to-head victory. So Alabama fans got to become big Ole Miss and Texas A&M fans over the past, over the next uh, couple weeks. Because LSU, yes, LSU do play Arkansas, but Arkansas is a terrible team. They're going to blow them out by like 50 points. So Bama fans, there's still a chance for y'all. And for the second argument, let's say Alabama wins out and they don't win the SEC championship game. Let's say LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson all win out and win their conference titles. So they're in the playoffs. So there's one spot left. So do you take a one-loss Alabama team over a one-loss Pac-12 champion, maybe in Oregon or, or Utah? Or do you take them over... Uh, one loss Big Twelve champ, Big Twelve champ Oklahoma or Baylor, or do you take them over a one loss Penn State if they don't make the playoffs? So it's gonna be really interesting who that fourth spot is gonna be if the first three spots are already set in stone like we think they are. And the final team, the sixth spot is Oregon. Not too much to say about Oregon. Um, like Georgia, they control their own destiny, went out, and they're probably into the playoffs. But next, let's get into these college football picks. College football picks week. What week we're on? Week 12, last week did better, 7-3, bringing my total record over 11 weeks at 75-25. and 25. So we're sitting pretty, trying to get to that 100 mark for the season. Okay, first game we're going to look at is number 4th ranked Georgia against 12th ranked Auburn. I, I ain't going to lie, as an Auburn fan, I had a hard time picking this game, to be honest, because I do want to ride with my guys for the upset, but Georgia's a good team. You know, Fromm is one of the most poised poised quarterbacks in the country and Georgia is one of the most well-balanced teams in the country offensively and defensively but you know I pulled up the stats that Bo Nix isn't great against top 25 competition because he's 45 percent completion percentage five touchdowns six picks uh 
you know, against uh, top 25 ranked teams, and he's 68%, seven touchdowns, zero picks against non-ranked teams. And uh, and Auburn's defense has been playing great this year. They're around 15 points a game, but their defense can't be great if the offense can't stay on the field. You know, they're going three and out. Imagine your defense, you held a, a team, you held a team out from scoring. You sit down three plays later, up, get back on defense. You know, eventually that's going to wear, wear down on the defense. So Auburn's defense will keep them in the game for the most part, but often needs to hold up their end of the deal and at least score some points and keep the defense well rested. And Auburn does have a chance, uh, but Bo Nix needs to play better. I do see him being a good player in the future. Like, I don't want to use that he's a freshman excuse, but, you know, he's a freshman. He's going to make these mistakes. Last year, he was throwing around at high school football games, and now you're going to get some of the best teams in the country. So he's going to make those mistakes with his first year, So, but I expect him to play better, uh, you know, his second, third, and fourth year. Uh, but I was struggling with this game. I Throughout the week, I was leaning Georgia, but I'm not going to lie. I want some chaos to happen. I'm picking Auburn to win this game against my better judgment. The next game, which was, which was easy to pick, number 11, Florida versus Missouri. Florida's been playing good. They need a, they, they need some help getting into the SEC title game because I don't think Georgia clinched it just yet. But they play Missouri. Missouri's been Missouri's been on like a two three game losing streak. So I got Florida winning that game. Next game we got Indiana versus Penn State. I didn't understand. I didn't know, but Indiana was seven and two, but they're not ranked. Uh, but they're going against number nine Penn State after losing to Minnesota last week. I think they're going to be. Uh, they're going to be ant for this game. Try to get revenge. You know, get you know. I like we should have won that game, and they're going to probably they're going to they're probably going to win big against Indiana. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game. But I got Penn State winning that game, keeping their playoff chances alive. Next, we got uh, Wake Forest. I think they're ranked number twenty-two. I forgot to put their ranking on here against Clemson. Um, this supposed to be a tough game for Clemson, but Clemson's offense is starting to catch up, catch fire, and the defense been playing outstanding. Uh, the, you, know, uh, you know, they're doing it all phases of all. All phases on the ball. Deep, like I said, defense playing great. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been playing like the Heisman contender we think he is, but he's doing enough for the team to win, and it helps when you have a, a good running back with Travis Etienne. So I got Clemson winning that game. Next game, I had trouble picking again. We got number eighth ranked Minnesota versus number twentieth ranked Iowa. Usually, the past think two or three years, Iowa has beaten a top ranked team at home after the college football after the college football playoff rankings were released. I remember, think three years ago they beat a like a fourth ranked Michigan team, and then a couple years ago they beat like a second ranked Ohio State team. And this game was hard to pick. I'm not gonna lie because I did pick against Minnesota to win last week, and they put an outstanding game. Uh, I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna roll with. I'm just gonna roll with Iowa. I think the pressure is gonna get uh the pressure may get the Minnesota being ranked this high in such a long time. And it might play sloppy. So I got Iowa with the upset. Next, we're going to the Pac-12. We have USC and Cal. Not too much to say. I'm, I'm picking USC to win this game. Nothing behind it. Same thing. Next next game, got Texas versus Iowa State. Um, both teams were disappointing years so far. Uh, Texas thought to be a dark horse uh, college football playoff team. I'm going to roll with Texas to win that game. Next, we have one of the rivalry games for this week. We've got Michigan State versus 15-ranked Michigan. Michigan State... Michigan, uh, has been playing better lately, even though they're probably not in the college football playoffs like I predicted them to be. Um, that's a foolish decision on my part. But I think Michigan has been catching fire, and they're going to win this game against Michigan State. Next, it was another tough game to pick. Oklahoma versus Baylor. I I was struggling with this pick as well. Um, 
because Oklahoma had like they were playing great defense at the beginning of the season by Oklahoma standards. You know, if you allow 45 points a game, you can allow 21 points a game, and that's a, a massive improvement. And Baylor was playing. I've really watched Baylor been playing this season, but they're one of the surprises being a nine and zero. This is going to be a high scoring game. I say mid thirties, uh, mid thirties, low forties. Uh, but I, I, I'm struggling with this pick to be honest. Uh, I, I don't know why I waited this long to make a pick, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna roll with Oklahoma. They got Jalen Hurt to you. He's used to this big game atmosphere. You know, going into Death Valley, going into Jordan Hare. Um, I don't think. You know, playing in SEC title games, national championship games. So the big games don't really bother him. So I'm going with Oklahoma to win this game. And next is my upset pick of the week. There's a lot of upset picks in the week. I could have picked Auburn over Georgia, uh, which I did, but that's not an upset pick. Um, but I just got uh, number 23 ranked Navy upsetting 16th ranked Notre Dame. The reason why Notre Dame. They've been playing good, but I think Navy's triple option is going to be a little too much. I always think the triple option is going to be the hardest to defend because not too many teams run it. I think probably just Navy, Army, and Air Force runs the triple option. So that's what I have my upset pick of the week. I have uh, number 23, Navy, beating number 16, ranked Notre Dame. Book it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate y'all taking time out y'all busy day to give the podcast a listen. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Tell your family, tell your friends about the podcast. Follow me on my social media, Instagram and Twitter at SoYamAsian. And y'all have a nice one. See y'all next week.